He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going deadly silent. Cinderella story out of nowhere. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 128 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined as I always am with Barry O'Hanron. Hey Barry. Hey James, how are we doing? I'm alright. Back from the world of the ski trip so I'm now all focused on golf for the rest of the year. And uh, if anybody wants to get in contact with us, you can get us on our Twitter handle, which is at a good talk golf, and the email is a good talk spoiled at gmail.com. Um, I have been away for the last two, well, week, but two weekends, so I couldn't play golf either weekend. Barry, how did you get on? Did you play? You were away, I know, last we, weekend. Yeah, we've been weekend away from before. golf. We've been away from golf from a, for a little bit now, or from the podcast anyway. Um, two weekends ago, I played. And uh, last weekend I didn't. I went to a stag, so my voice is still a bit rough, and was off in Galway. But the the week before, the weekend before, I went for a lesson with Mark O'Mahony. Uh, I thought it was uh, high time that I was going to get some uh, get my game together or try get my game together for the year. Uh, I was in pretty horror situation where my divots, even with short irons, were sometimes aiming up to forty yards left of the green. But somehow I was managing to save a few of these shots and get the ball going on target. Anyway, um, Mark managed to Mark took a couple of videos and we saw pretty quickly what was going on. My right foot was raising up off the ground. So, uh, well, or by and large, it was just very little contact left with the ground when I was swinging on the way down. So, nothing to uh, swing against really. I had nothing. No stability. I think no stability. Yeah, point. nothing to push off. So all I was doing was throwing the club out there, and uh, which would explain the really, really dodgy club path. Um, but over that weekend, over those couple of rounds, uh, just worked hard. You know, just focus on keeping that right foot as planted as I could, and started hitting the ball a bit more solidly. Um, so yeah, looking forward to. Bit up bit of golf lined up for two games this weekend and two games the next weekend and you know get some was, get some driving range in. It's, I was it's looking, go time. I was looking at the results coming in from Druid's Heath over the last couple of weeks and um, I don't think we uh, the old Glen of the Downs lads have broken through into the winner's circle just yet up there. No, we haven't uh, seemed to have cracked the code up there yet. There's some still some forty two pointers coming in and so one of our guys had a maybe a thirty nine or a forty which is really good you know starting to obviously starting to learn the course and uh, maybe catch a bit of early season form as well but uh, yeah we're not uh, by and large the Glen of the Downs members have not featured high up on the the results leaderboards I was talking to a guy who was a member of the Heat a number of years ago and he was saying that they um, after they had lost a lot a lot of members at one time uh, they realized that uh, they need to do some changes so they actually made some of the greens an awful lot easier to get the ball to stop. There was two or three holes, uh, one particular one, the part three, on the front nine, which is up a hill. Mm. There was basically no landing zone. Um, there was nothing behind it that you could actually go to. You ro- rolled out into gorse, and if you came up short, you went into a bunker that pretty much wrapped around the hole of the front of the green. That's, so That's a tough enough hole, as in its current guise. I'd yeah. say beforehand it was just heartbreaking. So yeah, they were saying that um, they they had lost you know him and a, a 
two or three others along with quite a few over the period of kind of two years just walked away because it was just so disheartening I think um, that's the fifth isn't it it is the fifth yeah, yeah. Start, starting to get my head around the numbers of the holes and somebody's asking me the other evening you know the way when you know you're on course very well and you go out for an evening round and it's quiet you can kind of jump across the course and play yeah. a few holes here and a few holes there and uh, somebody asked me like how, you know, how would that work can you kind of shorten the course yourself and yes you can, yes, I'm, but I'm not, it's not, um, it's not an instinctive calculation that I can make in my head like I could with Glenn the Downs having played that for nearly, you know, the guts of 20 years, but thinking about it, I can see how we can, you know, you can, you can jump you can around de- You can definitely shorten it and you can also jump from front to back easily enough because mm. you could, uh, you could jump uh, after the fourth onto 15 and play 15, 16, 17, 18 if you yeah. wanted to. You can jump after the second, you can skip the, the, the third, fourth, fifth, you can and skip, sixth, and jump s- on to the seventh and play seven, eight, nine. Yeah, there's ways, um, there's good ways to do so it. There is, there is ways that you can, if you want to go out just for maybe, even if you play uh, the fifth, you can walk behind the fifth and onto the, onto the eighth uh, and skip six and seven. So there's yeah, quite a few yeah. ways that you can actually um, kind of jump around. Um, but we'll we'll get the bit that I don't get uh, yet, and I haven't really been looking at the card. It's just I haven't got the the, the stroke indexes yet. So, you know, I walk off thinking, great, that's a par. Oh no, it's only two points. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but that I, will that will come. I think we just need to forget about the stroke indexes and play play as good as we can, and let's see what happens with the scores at the end of the day. Well, we're due out. Uh, I'm due out earlier than you are mm-hmm. on Saturday, um, but we're at least returning to the golf course. So hopefully, this time next week, we'll have a bit more back with on a our own game, back games. Into, a, into a strokes competition. Yeah, they they they're funny. Uh, there's no consistency with. Like medals tend to take some monthly medals are on a Saturday, others are on a Sunday, some of the majors are on Sundays, some are on Saturdays. Like you really have to look at your diary and put them in now. Yeah. Because I would always just default that every Saturday was, you know, if you're only playing one weekend, one day in the weekend, now all of a sudden you're going to have to actually make sure that if it's a weekend where there's a major on or there's a um, there's a strokes or a medals mm. competition. And then there's some that aren't even stroke like strokes are just put in and they're not even a medal. It's yeah. just eight strokes competitions. So. Like I I kinda like that. Um, um but yeah, definitely the, the diary management's gonna have to come in a little bit more than Glenda Downs. So um but uh, it is what it is what it is and it's uh yeah. But for other people who yeah. have just started back, you know, it's it's kind of, you know, getting slightly better weather here in Ireland, uh let us know how your early season form is going at a good talk golf is the Twitter handle. A good talk spoiled at gmail.com is the email. We want to hear about your games uh, because we always enjoy hearing all about it. We'll be back on game golf as well. Now. We have to get back on game golf this week. Um, yeah, well, mine's charged and ready to go. So, Excellent. Me uh, too. So, uh, other than that, I suppose then if we look at the news and, um, you know, I suppose. For people who are on Masters Watch, it's not too long away now for the 2017 Masters. But uh, if you happen to win the Euro Millions or your local lottery, you can uh, still get weekly badges for the tournament at the moment on the website. Uh, weekly badge will set you back $8,595. Um, and if you just want to go Thursday to Sunday, it's $4,500. And if you just want to go on Sunday, it is $1,300. So you have 28 days, 10 hours, 48 minutes, and 22 seconds to uh, 
to 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 see the start if you're going to go for the Thursday to Sunday. It's uh, crept up quickly. I mean, I remember talking about it being like a hundred days away and fifty days away. Only four weeks. Would Here you we pay? Would you pay four and a half thousand um, dollars at the moment with the exchange rate? That's roughly about four thousand two hundred odd euros, and I have no idea what it is in your uh, pounds. That's sterling. just the raw ticker but price. That's just yeah. That's just the pure get in for four days golf. Um, no, you'd be there for seven a.m. and you won't leave until twelve sure. hours. Um, not even a hundred forty-eight. Not even hundred dollars an hour. Forty-eight. Uh, forty-eight hours of golf. Would what else would you do for hundred dollars an hour? Quite a lot, I'd say. But uh, I don't know. Like it's um, it's it's that it's that plus flying across there, staying. Well, if you take forget about that cost, because if you forget about that, you may as well double. But, but like, if you just if you forget about the the travel costs, would you pay four and a half thousand dollars for four days to walk around Augusta National? I will at one stage in my life. Yeah, I would be all over that shit. Yeah, I would I be, am. There would yeah. be. There's, it, there's, it is a bucket list thing. It's go to the Masters one year. It will be done. Um, the Masters not and this year. a Super Bowl are my two bucket lists. Um, I will. And now that the San Diego Chargers are no longer, I can now just pick any decent team and go to a Super Bowl. I don't have to wait for them to go. Uh, they are dead to me. Sorry, San Diego listeners. Um, so yeah, so look, uh, that that's that bit. I suppose the other thing is that uh, you know you and I have always complained, and I think it's a kind of a bugbear of a lot of club golfers where you start playing with a guy who is having a really really good round, and then usually around kind of twelve or thirteen, they start thinking, oh, I'm going to get a really big cut here on my handicap, and one, two, three foot putts are missed all of a sudden where they're holding them without any problems few balls out of bounds and then all of a sudden you know they they just end up back at like 34. 35 36 <laughs> points or worse the people who are you know aiming to get a point one back because they're on a 14.4 mm. they're on an 8.4 and they just wouldn't mind an extra shot on the way to a uh, open competition or a major in the golf club oh, it's, and, it's, and the, in the current guys it's very easy just to go bang in and no return yeah I still think that a no return Should. should uh, shouldn't uh, it, it either shouldn't be either a cut or mm-hmm. another you know it, it shouldn't be a point one back or it shouldn't be a cut yeah. or they need to find some way that they just turn around and say and some golf clubs and again if this is one that you guys uh, are aware of in your own golf club let us know at a good talk golf some golf clubs will only allow you like two or three no returns and then if you have two or three no returns then you lose your playing rights for the following weekend's competition or you're not eligible to enter the next competition. You can play the course, mm. but you're not eligible to enter into the into the club competition. See, that that's week. fair. I mean, we know that no returns actually affect the CSS of the day or, you know, or mm-hmm. the, you know, the scores that would have been put in will affect the CSS in the day. So, um, I mean, that no return could be the, as a result of one really bad hole or it could have be a result of... 17 really bad holes but either way it's going to have an effect on the CSS so it's um, yeah it's something we've had a, a problem with for a while and I, I like that idea of yours that you don't get point one back if you put in an overturn it's it is the equivalent of, kind of stopping giving up trying you know I know we all have our crap moments on golf courses and holes that will infuriate you or just impossible situations and that happens um, 
and it can happen on a rare occasion. But I do, I do like that little rule that uh, that those clubs have with two or three re- no returns, and you can't play the next uh, competition. So they're now, and the reason why we bring this up, so the GUI, the Golfing Union of Ireland and the UK, have now combined together to kind of do, I suppose, it's um, it's kind of to name and shame a little bit and to kind of bring more awareness to this kind of combating the kind of the handicap cheat, cheats mm-hmm. and uh, they're doing a, a campaign that's uh, hashtag the fair way and uh, it's basically kind of talking about trying to get people to stand up to this kind of behavior which leads me to the next question if you could see it do you think you would call it the person out on it or on a saturday you're playing your own game you're doing your own thing, you know. Do you could you be arsed with the argument and the animosity to actually call a guy out on it, or do you just sign the card, just go home, and just say, you know what, that guy is a cheating? So what if he's that was close? I could. <laughs> so if he's what say like five under after twelve, hasn't missed a fairway, he's playing quite playing very nicely overall, and then out of nowhere. Couple of double bogeys, you know, an out of bounds that should never have happened. A duff. I mean, the thing, the thing about the amateur game is, it's very hard to say that that is an intentional thing because we're all amateurs. We're not phenomenal. You know, not all of us. Sorry, the lower, the lower amateurs are very good golfers. Um, speaking for yourself, myself, we're very capable of having shanks, duffs, hooks, out of bounds, multiple out of bounds. Um, you know, double hitting chip shots, not getting out of bunkers the first time or the second time or the third time. These things can all happen. Um, it's very hard to say whether that's an intentional occurrence in in this hypothetical situation. So, what what do you? Where think? integrity what? is so important in the game. Yeah, and it is ultimately it's your card, and it may affect you. You know, do, do you call the person out or do you kind of? You see, one of the problems I've had, and I've played with a couple of people who, who have done this and I haven't called them out. And I, this campaign has made me wonder whether or not I should have refused to sign the card at the end of the round or I should have referred it to the committee or something. But it's your word against theirs, ultimately. You know, we're, we are amateurs. The guy is playing well. And we've all had those moments where you go three or four holes or five holes or six holes and you do get in a zone, and then all of a sudden you start realizing you're in the zone, and you go to <laughs> shit. And um, it's hard to say that you know it's a fine line between a deliberate uh, cheating to get a point one back, and just you know the brain gives up or the. So I I just find it really difficult. Or... You know, like I don't think there's an easy way to answer it, and I think that it's great that the GUI and the UK are combining. So like. For instance, on Twitter, if you go to when you're on Twitter and you're looking at our Twitter page, a good talk golf, you can also look at the hashtag the fair way. And there's some interesting things like, you know, there is a banner that says handicap awareness month playing in a qualifying competition and setting out with the aim of getting a 0.1 back or not trying your best at any point in the round with the aim of manipulating your handicap is cheating. And like cheating is in bold. Yeah, like it's, yeah. um, the, the thing that always. You know, was always a thought that I had in this situation when somebody's intentionally pulling to to get their point one back or they're not going after the win after going out on a very fast start like they're they're a few under through 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 or whatever 
the I've always thought the audacity and like I don't know the brass balls that somebody must have um, or equivalent for ladies to think that they can just manipulate their handicap on that day and then go out the next day and win. I mean, just that's that takes some sort of. Uh, I'm really looking for the words. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Right. I have a bigger problem than just the people going out with point one, and I think they should have an awareness program of this for a month. Is the people who go and play open competitions and never return a card, where they go out and they win one, you know, an open comp over an open comp over an open open comp, and amazingly they never return the uh, the cards to your home club to get the proper cut, uh, or just spending your whole season playing team events. Uh, yeah, playing lots and lots of team events, never getting cut. There needs to be the GUI. If America, if the golf handicap people, they should find some way of being able to get a, a handicap cut for team events. That if you're in a team event that goes and wins, then you know all four players get cut, mm-hmm. whatever it is, on a on a pro rata scale. Over in England, they are combating this just found this out uh, this afternoon in my research there's a new stipulation that requires everybody playing in non-qualifying competitions away from home to return their scores to their home club and players who ignore this can, could even have their handicaps suspended but that's a non-qualified competition so if I play with a mate does, that means that if I go and play with a friend well, well I think the casual... qualifying competitions should be communicated back anyway by the integrated system, the computer system. So do you mean? So does that mean? And maybe it's not explained. But is that is that the idea that it's a non-qualifying, so an open team event? I, um, I guess it could be, yeah, rather James. Rather than a or, direct qualifying on your own handicap, yeah, or a four-ball better ball, because that's not qualifying for your handicap. So I think that's what the, I think that's what the aim of this is to get these team card scores back into the home club for review and to, to keep because why not have a situation that if you go out on a you know a four ball better ball yeah or a team event and if your team wins it and wins it by you know five shots well then have the calculation done on CSS and everybody gets cut exactly the same so if you go and play with the with a scratch golfer and you go and win well that's just that's just the way it is I just find that there is very I've played with a guy who has openly admitted that he plays his minimum number of open uh, qualifying comps for his own handicap mm. and then basically plays the rest of the season in team events to win and turns up to the majors in the golf club or turns up to medals and plays in them on the basis that he is playing lots and lots of golf mm. playing really really good golf but never plays a singles qualifying so as to not have his handicap effect. This, this is the way to get them. This is the way to get these people, by getting all the cards returned to home courses and so they're under review. And it does say, it's, they are quoted as saying, it's not about recording every score in a four-ball better ball, but returning the team score. And over time, patterns will, will emerge very, you know, very obviously. If it's the same person coming back with four-ball, 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 they're winning prizes all the time and they're not playing singles competitions, there's questions going to be raised about that, and their handicap will be reviewed. Mm. So this, I think this is a really good Kongu combined effort. Um, We've got to applaud them for it, and I hope they can come up with other ways to, to um, help like the integrity of the game um, against people who just don't seem to have that integrity that they are going out to manipulate the system.
Well, I, I think it's a great idea and a good talk golf is the Twitter handle if you'd like to get in touch and let us know what you guys think. Uh, any stories of blatant guys missing two foot putts on the last few holes to make sure that they, they stay within the buffer or, or make sure they don't get any uh, cut. Um, there are quite a substantial amount of rule changes um, which we touched on a couple of weeks ago and um, I'm thinking that it might be better to have just a very brief look today and have a much greater look at all of this because yeah. you and I have slightly differed uh, and what we might do is we might just talk about it in general and then talk about it in much more specifics in a, in, in a week's time. You think that they're, they're, that this is a good idea that the, the, G, uh, the RNA and the USPGA are looking at upwards of 100 rule changes to, to the golf um, some are very, very needed. Um, I think, for instance, you know, I think we can agree on quite a few of them. The likes of five minutes looking for a ball will reduce down to three minutes. Mm-hmm. There's a few, what I think are odd ones. Um, but in, in the whole, what do you think of, of this idea of a root and branch look? Is it a root and branch look or is it tinkering around with... With, with the rules of golf. Well, I haven't read all 161 pages of the document, so I can't tell you for... Yeah, I haven't done the diagram, so I don't know if it's a root and branch look. From, I liked the approach they were... this What they were quoted as saying, the mental approach that they were saying. The rules of golf were very simple at the beginning. There were 10 of them, and in order to get clarity on them, they ended up building upon them and building upon them and building upon them. Uh, they likened it to, say, like starting with a college and ending up with a, a big mansion because... You're just building upon it. That thing might not be that stable. And their analogy to that was that we now have a rule book with 34 rules, but as you pointed out in our pre-podcast chat, those all have multiple subsection rules within them. So it ends up exploding. Subsection on subsection. (laughs) They do, and I'm sure everybody's sick to death of trying to find the right ruling for the right situation. Not only do you have that then, we have the 1,200-page decisions on the rules of golf which for you, for some reason, seem to absolutely adore and have probably read most of at this stage. But that's how complicated it's become. And what they said, sometimes it's better to just get rid of this building that you have and start from the foundations again. And that was their, that was their kind of core concept on this. They wanted to build, build it up from the beginning. Um, obviously, you're not going to forget everything that you had there beforehand. Um, there are certainly large echoes of the previous rules that they're using in this. But... There's a lot of common sense stuff that I saw there. Um, not all of these are going to make it through. There's now a six-month consultation period, with, and everybody worldwide has a chance to get involved in this and give their thoughts on it and give feedback to it. I think that's fantastic. You know, The RNA and the USJ aren't just closing up shop and saying, this is, this is the way it is, tough shit, deal with it. Um, they're trying to crowdsource the best minds in the world or best ideas and best information to come up with the best solution overall it's never going to be perfect golf is such a complex complicated game played on tens of thousands of different golf courses you know so the playing field is not always the same so there's, there's got to be a certain amount of complexity to it but they've removed a lot of this silly crap and um they seem to be heading in a, a modern and technology embracing direction as well in that you know the say for example the distance measuring devices they're all allowed now yeah i think we can program. agree with that sure sure i mean there's lo- local rules in pretty much every golf course you go to to, to allow for that but it's now you know the, the way they're going to do they're saying they're going to do any kind of these decisions on or, or explanations there's going to be videos and so 
this is not something they've taken lightly. This is, they started this in 2012, so I, I just I think it's re- overall really good. We can't make a final decision on it until the rules are finalised. But right now, I'm I'm pretty from what I've read so far. Overall, I'm pretty happy, and uh, in, in what I'm seeing, I think it's cool. Well, I think I think we want to try and get a conversation started with the group that listen to this because we're all like-minded golfers here. So these are obviously going to affect everybody who listens to the podcast. A good talk golf is the Twitter handle. Uh, my only concern is that it's one thing to to do a root and branch check to simplify the language, make it much easier for people to understand. It's another thing to fundamentally change certain bits of what golf has always been. Like, you know, you were pointing out to me one of the rules that I had missed, which is you can now leave the flag in unattended on the green while putting on the green. Mm -hmm. So you have a really tricky, you know, two or three footer downhill. Mm -hmm. Just leave the flag in. 100%. Now, I don't get that. I don't understand why the RNA and the USGA think that that's a rule that needs to be brought in for some reason. I don't understand how that is going to I think that's simplify thing. rules or simplify the game. I think that's well, fundamentally changing. It absolutely is simplifying because then you don't have the question of like, can I hold the flag? When do I pull the flag out? There's no penalty for hitting the flag if you have somebody holding the flag for you when you're putting and, some, and the flag gets caught in the cup. They can't get the flag out of the cup and the ball hits it. That's a okay, penalty. So just, just remove the penalty if the thing hits the flag when the guy's yeah. trying to take it it's out. A, it's also, the, I think the idea is that it's a pace of play thing as well. It can save 20, 15, 20 seconds by not having to go remove the flag. So say we're playing a two ball, you're in the bunker, I've got a 40 foot putt, my bag is down where my ball is and it'll save me walking all the way up to the flag to take the flag out or in that case, in that case I might even need you to tend the flag in that time you're now still raking the bunker. It could be another minute, minute and a half before we're all re- I'm ready to put. In that co- in that time, I could have just put it while you're raking the bunker with the flag in. I think, I think and that would make sense thing. then if you you know that I you know in that concept mm-hmm. then okay that's a that's fine. Then you say that you can leave the flag in as long as you are. No closer than six feet. But now you have like but, a decisions on the no, rules of golf situation. Now, now what you have is you you are fundamentally then why don't we just make the hole bigger just just leave the flag in permanently and just make the hole bigger no you can play that like, big, you can play that weird big hole golf as well if you want I, I just think that and I want to have a look at this that's why I want to have a better conversation when mm-hmm. I've read all of it is that my concern is that it's one thing about simplifying the language simplifying the rules and allowing everybody to know you know like absolutely makes sense I'd say very few people and I play with a lot of people who have no idea what a red stake and a yellow stake around water is. Uh, they don't understand what their options are when it goes into the water. They don't understand that if you don't see it go into the water or you're, you know, that there's all these very clear things that people don't understand. Yeah. So I've no problem with simplifying and I've no problem with simplifying the language. I have a problem if they start fundamentally tinkering with the game to try and, I don't know, make it exciting for kids or to make it, like, leave the game as it is. Simplify it. And if you want a standalone other type of game, the problem I have with Pelly and these guys is they're trying to compete with, like, T20 cricket and, you know, one-day cricket. Golf is what it is. You know, it's, it's hard to change golf. And if you start tinkering around, I think you could be ended up with a lot of crap that doesn't actually make it better. It just makes it 
an awful lot worse. I think you know, I think a five-year process have ended up with a lot of good things. Tapping down spike marks. Thanks be to God, they're finally going to go with that. That's brilliant. Um, we'll get on to spike marks in a little while when we're doing the tournament reviews and Justin Thomas and, uh, um, and his incident with the, the spike marks. But... I don't know. I, I yeah, it's it's changing the game or little aspects of it to what we've grown up with, what we've known. Um, but it seems it seems to make sense for me. But if you start it, like if you if you have one simple rule is that the flag can remain in the whole time, then you don't need all these sub rules and subsections and decisions on the rules of golf and whether the whether the ball was six foot or not further away in your example saying oh you can only have the flag sticking length in. of the flag length different flags and different golf courses are different lengths that's fine length of the flag length of the flag like so you're going to have some golf courses where you know their average but no one's going to go and put a 40 foot uh, flag on a green so I would fucking tell you there'd be some golf courses would do it so we're like oh I want to leave that flag in you'd have all these you'd have all the members lobbying we want a 15 foot high flag I think it's probably fair when I started this by saying we're going to have a bigger discussion on this. Yeah, we're getting I, into I, it. I think that we're on the basis it. that we've had a few weeks off, we need a lot of uh, reviews of the LPGA, the European Tour and the PGA, and we have to look at next week. I think yeah. for the sake of the listeners, we're going to park it for the moment. We'll get a bit more in depth. And we will have a much better look at it. Um, but I think you might tweet out the uh, the link to the to the document and people might be able to then have a look themselves and see what they think. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. I've tried a little bit and it's pretty heavy, but um, we will definitely get our research um, to a much more knowledgeable level on this and what they're proposing for our ground big uh, debate. The one thing about this is that ultimately this is potentially a seismic shift in the way golf is played and Mm -hmm. the rules of golf as we know it. Uh, And it is something that deserves probably a bit more of an in-look at um, and the the rationale behind it, um, rather than perhaps just a, a kind of a, a a breeze over, but it it's certainly from what we thought a couple of weeks ago is you know one or two little yeah. minor changes. It certainly is not a minor change. Um, the amendments, as you say, just in case anybody is sitting at home thinking, oh my god, you know, I'm playing at the weekend. These do not come into effect until the 1st of January 2019, mm. and it will be after a consultation period. So your rules do not change for this weekend. Yeah. So uh, do not allow people to leave your flag in over the weekend whenever you're on your three-footer downhiller. Yeah, don't uh, do that. Well, you have to do a pirouette after every drive. Don't forget that. Um, so look, let's, let's look at the, the last few tournaments that have taken place, and... Uh, We've had the LPGA has returned um, uh, three weeks ago now at the ISPS Honda Women's Australian Open in the Royal Adelaide Golf Club, and uh, Nang Nang J won. Uh, the following week was the Honda LPGA in Thailand. It was the Siam Country Club Old Course in Thailand, and Amy Yang won that one. And I suppose one that we're going to look at in a little bit more detail was the HSBC Women's Champions. Uh, out in Singapore and Inby Park who won this in 2015 came flying back after quite some time away from the game and uh, pretty much announced Barry that uh, you know whatever Lydia Ko can do I'm I'm still still around uh, yeah like just no respect for her peers who've been like working over the winter and you know playing in through the autumn as well you know or building up form recently um on your second tournament back from Rio, which was back in August, which you won the gold medal on, 
with a thumb injury, which has been ongoing from the year before. Um, you know, pretty respectable restart back to the tour a couple of weeks ago. The Honda LPGA Thailand, Thai 25th. Should have been very happy with that. Make a cut, you know, a few birdies. Here we go. And, uh, yeah, she she just kind of turned it on, really, on Sunday. Course yeah, record 64. She had 66, uh, sorry, 67, 67, 71, 64 for a 269, 19 under, and one by one shot. Um, and really... You know, the first two days and the last day was really where, you know, this tournament was won on the scorecard. Um, it, it was pretty sick what she did. I mean, she had 17 out of 18 greens in regulation. I mean, look, the, the stats for the, the, the girls are just brilliant. Um, she, at Inby Park for her year to date, like she's 92.86 driving, um, 0.86% driving accuracy, almost 82% greens in regulation. And um, that's got her in the top few, and then her puts per green and regulation are one point six eight. So, uh, she's seventh on tour for that. But uh, this Sunday gone by with seventeen out of eighteen greens and regulation to com- combine that with twenty seven puts is just sensational. And uh, you, you know you're doing well as a pro when your fellow pros. That's the only thing they can say and comment on is that everything she looked at it went in. It was just, it was a phenomenal performance. And uh, I mean, even the commentators were saying, are repeatedly say that she is without a doubt one of the best putters in the world, male or female. And it'd be kind of interesting to see her and say like Jordan Speed have a little putting contest, uh, if it's you know whatever a little sponsors event or whatever. It'd be like pretty the, interesting. Like this tournament, the HSBC um, Women's Championship in Singapore. Like this wasn't a, a second rate by any cha- uh, any stretch of the imagination. This had some of the biggest names. In women's golf, in mm-hmm. it, you know, you had Brooke Henderson there, you had Nana Yang, you had uh, Sung Young Park, you had Michelle Wee, Anna Norquist, Lydia Ko at tied ninth, Charlie Hull, you know, Morgan Pretzel down at 15, Suzanne Pedersen. Like, these are big, big names. This was a big Mo Martin there at tied 21st. You know, this was a massive, massive tournament that, like, you know, it just, it, I'd love to see. A, a co-sponsored exhibition match um, that had the women and the men because you know as you say Combined Indy Park yeah because like you're saying about Indy Park and her putting like forget about just having a small putting competition with Jordan Speed I'd love to see some of these women go out and you know put okay yeah there's going to obviously be a length difference no doubt but like play them off forward tees there's I, no difficulty totally and the guys wouldn't have a problem with that and the girls wouldn't have a problem with that because it levels up the, the match but wouldn't it be field. interesting you know we, we look at and we were saying a minute ago about you know trying to find new ways and interesting ways mm-hmm. of growing the sport and you know wouldn't it be wouldn't that be the kind of way that you could look at it and say okay well let's have a co-sponsored tournament you know four days you know, the women play slightly forward, no difficulty with that. We we level the playing field in terms of, of where that your landing aspect. zone is or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then let them go mono on mono and see how sure. you know, and I think that like to see somebody like, as you say, Indy Park going up against a Jordan Speed on the putting green in a tournament, let's see some of those stats. Let's see it. Because I think that would be some of these girls are just so good that like even if you didn't do it on the main tour you took like the web.com or something you know these these girls are just so so good and so consistent that you know the likes of indy park uh lydia co like you know they're doing things that 
Tiger Woods hasn't done that you know other greats in the male game and they just don't get the recognition that they they really deserve or you know like Inby Park won $225,000 you know for winning that tournament at the weekend you know that's less than a low rate European tour event like, like say last week at the Joburg which is like a, basically a hybrid event between the Sunshine Tour and the European Tour but do you know what we're talking about these new events that are coming in with like the, the ISPS, the Super Sixes that they had down in Australia. And this year on the PJ Tour, there is the doubles event or the pairs event in the Zero Classic of New Orleans, which they're playing uh, a couple of rounds of foursomes and a couple of rounds of four ball. This, you know, this combined, you know, this mixed event that we're, you know, hypothetically discussing here might not be that far away. It might exist as an exhibition event for a year or two, but it could be a dual tour qualifying event or you know or points or a ranking event that the the tours mixed together for one week like we obviously had michelle we trying when she came on to uh onto the scene a number of years ago with sony trying to mm. you know bring her into a couple of me- and i don't think it worked in the manner in which they thought or tried because it it, it put too much pressure on michelle we it wasn't a level playing field you know and it it, no, it she came to to Kind of golf course you can't physically keep up with the guys on. Yeah, and like these guys are hitting, you know, absolutely outrageous numbers. You know, it's it's mm. just not going to be possible. But you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what what the future holds with the kind of a certainly, as you say, a, a co-sponsored event, uh, maybe exhibition for the start, and then you know, who knows where that goes? Do you have a a, a kind of a a, a mixed uh, kind of Ryder Cup where you could have you know a men and women's team going in uh, where it's kind of a, a hybrid between the Solham and the Ryder Cup Jeez, uh, where you could have mixed four balls mixed foursomes and so on like it would be a, it would be an interesting way of seeing what um, I mean first it is a natural progression from the amateur game We've there's so many mixed events in the amateur game but that once you hit the pros that disappears so um it's cool to see the step being taken on the PJ Tour to have the, the paired event this year in New Orleans. Uh, you know, the, the, the next sort of progression could be this mixed event. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the, uh, the new PJ Tour commissioner uh, comes up with. So let's look at the European Tour and you're going to have a quick run through because uh, I've decided this year that I'm going to stay away from most of the European Tour names. So How are you? Okay. Maybank And the LPGA and the PGA Tour. I don't mind the PGA. They're I, normal names. Okay, I'll just take tar- charge names. We're going to rip through these pretty quickly because it is old news at this stage but definite, uh, definitely lots of congratulations uh, winning on the on any tour is not easy. It's in the Maybank Championship uh, from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, Fabrizio Zanotti, uh, super talented guy, got his win. And the winner of the inaugural uh, golf version of 2020 cricket with all the, uh, the bells and whistles. And probably deserved winner of the week um, because he led after, led after 54 holes before they went to the match play side of things. Brett Rumford uh, got his win. Uh, a couple of weeks back in the Joburg Open was Darren Feichardt, uh getting the getting over the line there, and last week at the Tishwani Open was Dean Burmester. So uh, congratulations to all those boys on the European Tour, and a few of them will be heading off to India this week for the Hero India Open, which we'll get to in a few minutes. So that then uh, brings us on to the PGA Tour, the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am. 
which was won by Jordan Spieth. The Genesis Open was Dustin Johnson's win, and we're going to get on to him, I think, in, in a lot more detail in a minute. The Honda Classic uh, two weeks ago from uh, Palm Beach in Florida was won by Ricky Fowler. And last week, uh, the WGC, the first of the WGCs for 2017, uh, was the Mexico Championship, which was held in Mexico City. And as I just said, Dustin Johnson won by one shot ahead of Tommy Fleetwood and Ross Fisher. Uh, one, uh, Jan Ram was a couple of shots behind with Thomas Peters, Justin Thomas, Brad Snedeker, uh, Phil Nicholson and Rory McIlroy finishing out the top 10 or thereabouts. Um, the last few weeks in the PGA Tour, the, the wins have been very, very impressive. Guys have just been going out and gone, that's mine, see you later. So Dustin, 70, 66, 66, 68, um, you know, at the, I suppose the start of the week, it was all Rory for the first half. He started 68, 65. Mm. Rory, first time back. Let's talk about him for a second, because if, if we look at the kind of the first half, it was all Rory. It looked like this was, you know, going to be his tournament. Superb Friday, 65, goes into the weekend leading. Just could not get the putts going over the weekend. Just 70-71 was just no way good enough to, to win a tournament of this quality. Um, first time back for Rory uh, since the, the rib injury. few complaints on kind of Thursday, Friday of not feeling great. Probably should play not feeling great if you're going to hit 68s and 65s. <laughs> um, looks like a guy who's you know a bit like we said about Indy Park earlier you know he 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 just comes back and he's he's just so consistent now he's he's got that kind of tiger woods consistency of top 10s uh, being there or thereabouts come the weekend yeah he can take a few weeks off and come back and, and hit the ground running he i think look he'll be a little bit a uh, little bit pissed off he didn't have a better chance at winning come you know saturday and then on to sunday and things not going his way but Overall, I'd say he's going to be thrilled with that performance. With, the, with only four weeks to go to the Masters, the first road test of the rib back uh, done, completed, no problems, full power driver, you know, some flashes of brilliance and really good golf. He's, I think he's going to be thrilled. Um, I've, I, I actually, about two weeks ago when he was still injured, I put a bet on him for the Masters. I got him at 11-1 to 1 and he's, he's already uh, shorter than that, so... Um, I'm, I'm very happy with that. I think I hope he's going to go well this year in the Masters as an Irish fan um, and also um, with, for financial reasons. But uh, I, I do think I think he's in a good place this year. Uh, he's had his chance to work on a short game. It still had its foibles the first week back there. But um, yeah, he'll, he'll sharpen up over the next few weeks and I think he was going to be contending on Sunday in Augusta. And another guy who just uh, doesn't seem to be going away yet anytime soon is Phil. You know, there was a lot of uh, unbelievable stuff. I think him and uh, Jordan Spieth were going mono a mono on like chip-ins and, you know, there was just some outrageous moments over the course of the week. Um, Phil stuck behind a few trees at various stages again. This was um, unreal. <laughs> but like, you know, you you just see that top ten, and, and there's a few names that like you know Justin Thomas, Thomas Peters, uh, Ram. You know, these are guys who are now at a level that just can compete week in week out over in the states and not have like it's not a surprise to see Thomas Peters there. You know, Justin Thomas as well, like another player, but ultimately. Dustin Johnson is the story of this week. Back-to-back wins for him. Not back-to-back mm. tournaments, but back-to-back wins. 
Um, it's hard to say that there is a better golfer out there at the moment than Dustin Johnson. Every aspect of his game just looks right on top of its form. Yeah. And, um, you know, it could be a very, very, very good season for Dustin Johnson if he's able to maintain this level of, of consistency throughout the throughout all disciplines. You yeah, know, if the he's driving actually... is good, the putting is superb. Like you were saying about holding putts, like the bits that I saw over the weekend, every time I saw Dustin Johnson, he was holding a raker. You know, like it was just incredible. Um, how far through this season, you know, early season form can sometimes be a little bit uh, deceptive. Um, but him, Jordan Spieth, Rory, like these, you can't really look beyond a couple of others, maybe for the likes of the Masters and, and even just all four majors this year. You know, there's going to be, you just don't see maybe a Danny Willett coming through and, and, and breaking into that kind of 10, maybe 10 players that, we could rattle off. Your yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't even think Danny Willock can see Danny Willock getting into that at this stage. He's a bit all over the you place. You can all go back and listen to last year's podcast uh, for my views on Danny Willock. Um, yeah, I mean, you've Sergio, you've Ricky, you've a lot of like that leaderboard was stacked going into Sunday. A lot of big names up there. That's generally going to be the case in the World Golf Championships. That, you know, you've got the best of the best there. But a lot of the big, big guys were right up there and um, ready to go. The, the first, early on Sunday was exciting because of the position of everybody everybody on the leaderboard. But after, you know, six, seven holes, the whole thing went kind of flat and Johnson had kind of gone away from people and I was lying there watching it going, I wonder is this just, should I switch it off at this stage? Because the excitement that I'd anticipated in the event had just disappeared. But you had John Ram making a charge, you had Snedeker just knocking in birdies for fun, Tommy Fleetwood just getting it done and setting a great total. I mean, super performance by him and really, really forced Dustin all the way to the line um, who, and he came up with a superb bunker shot on 18 um, from, you know, fairway bunker to stick it pin high about, what, 15, 18 foot. It was a really clutch shot. Uh, like you are saying, he has all the shots at the moment and it's, it's just how long can he extend this really hot form that he's on? Uh, can he go through half a season with it? But like he he's been on this for a while now, mm. so there's nothing that is kind of indicating. Like you look at kind of towards the back end of last season uh, with the major, and then kind of through the the, the uh, FedEx Cup, and then on. Like Dustin is holding this form. Like maybe we just need to accept that this is now the new Dustin Johnson. That this isn't necessarily a form thing. Yeah. That this is now what we need to be expecting. Okay. With, with that comes a lot of expectation for Dustin as well, which he's going to have to deal with. Um, but certainly, uh, certainly it was an impressive, another impressive win for him. Yeah, something that wasn't, uh, sorry, so impressive, uh, we need to talk about it though, was the amount of club releases by Justin Thomas. Um, and then there's other people trying to drag in McElroy and Matsuyama and they're, you know, they're hitting their wedges into the ground where does the passion go too far and at what stage is it like these guys need to be fined they can't do this well here's here's my takeaway on this is the Justin Thomas thing is unacceptable which one uh, the, the, the release of the club 
because that that can injure somebody. He released yeah. it and it was inches away from hitting a guy in the crowd. The one on the tee, yeah, the, the driver, the yeah, yeah, definitely. That that's unacceptable for you know. Yeah, okay, he he's hit a bad shot. It's going left. You know, there's no excuse in my opinion that a pro can't hold on to that club through through impact. And mm-hmm. um, the the that that where it is injuring or potentially going to injure. Uh, you know, a patron, uh, a fan walking the course is unacceptable in my opinion. Um, I didn't like the fact that the pros were retweeting with the with the pro, the pro tracer, tracer and showing like you know, yeah, it's funny, but it does it is also serious. You know, the, the, this thing coming flying off this guy's hands, you know, everybody's head is following the ball. Yeah, that could clock some poor lad in the back of the head or a child. It's not acceptable in my opinion, and it shouldn't be joked about by the pros on Twitter. I don't. I don't think the PJ Tour will be joking about it. I'd say he's going to get a little reprimand in the background. And I think. That. I think they need to, but I don't think it should be in the background. I think it I should agree. be public, and I think it should be that it needs to be said that this isn't acceptable. And if it happens again, then there will be a big fine. Yeah. I think the difference that I say around the kind of the the, the banging of the club. Yeah, it's not acceptable. It's not a. It's not something that I want to see. And you know, we talk about the pros are you know all these icons for the children. They are. Mm. There is needing to be passion. I look. Rory chunked his wedge like it was such a bad shot. But like, yeah, he was frustrated. He he hit the ground. We've all done it. Yeah. I have less of a concern about that than I do a guy because that's not injuring anyone. Okay, it's injuring the worms, but that's about it. It's not injuring anybody else or potentially injuring anybody else. That, to me, is a hell of a lot less worse than what Justin Thomas did. Oh, yeah. No, I completely agree. And look, I know the club release is kind of an expression of I'm disgusted with this shot, but at that speed, with the club travelling at that speed on the, the end of a follow-through, to let it go, that is dangerous, especially in the, the vicinity of a tee box with all those uh, spectators there. It's also here, like how far that went... It's dangerous if you're in the fairway and your caddy's there or you have the cameraman there, your mic guy there as well. So, um, like you can finish your follow through and just drop the club beside you on the ground if you're disgusted with it. But releasing it at high speed, that was dangerous. And I'm sure he knows it as well. He's not an idiot, but um, he kind of, you know, with the social media aspect, he probably made a bit of a joke about it, made made light of it. But I'm sure inside he's probably a little bit disgusted with himself because there's a lot of tantrum going on there from him. Obviously, he's got, himself, he's got himself to very high standards, and I want to see golfers frustrated, and I want to see them pissed off when they're not things aren't going well. You want to see that kind of passion, but it just has to manifest itself in the right way. And the, be uh, beyond the driver, the driver was bad. What really pissed me off was watching him hammer the green with his putter. I mean, the spike, the spike marks there—that's a pain in the ass, but. There's no it won't need. be after January 2019. No, that's true. <laughs> but there was no need to be hitting the green that hard. Now, it's hard to say whether he damaged the green, but it looked like he was hitting it hard enough to actually damage the surface. But at what point? What point does the guy marking the card just invoke the rules under golf etiquette? You know, which are very clear. You, this is a gentleman's sport to be played in a proper and professional manner. Yeah, and that's not professional or proper. There's penalties for for that. At what point does somebody turn around and say? You know, that's not acceptable. So, you know, and it's not in the interest of the game. And it's not... And this is the point no, where... No good tour is going to do that, though. Exactly. And this is where it goes back to the, the idea that we were talking about earlier about the cheating. It's very hard to do that. 
So for the pros, maybe it needs to be taken out of their hands and just said, okay, do you know what? You know, the way to stamp this out is that, you know, the, the, the tournament official will basically a bit like retrospective in soccer and in, in, in rugby where they look at it back on the TV and say, mm. you know, well, actually, you know what? Either you start your next tournament two shots down or you give him a two-shot penalty and he drops down the leaderboard and his, it's, it, the fine is ultimately going from, you know, maybe first it's retrospectively looked at and it said, well, sorry, actually, you know, the committee's made a decision. It's not in the interest of the game that you should bang the club in the manner that you did on the, on the green. But it's, 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 only a, it's only a warning or it's, it's more than that. And it's, it's a, it's a one-stroke or a two-stroke penalty and, yeah. and you get fined in the manner in which that is. And if that means you lose a tournament... Well, then that's going to soon soften their cough about this behaviour. Yeah, there, there's, there's a line to be drawn. You know, we, we want to see passion in our stars. We demand golf be entertaining, and that's part of the entertainment, but it's it's just finding the balance of where it can happen and where, where that passion can happen on the course. Anyway, look, let's have a quick look forward to next week. Just before I do that, we got to thank... Uh, I shot out a tweet to ask for some topics to talk about earlier, so... Just thanks to Mark Sheehan was asking about to, for us to talk about Phil in the trees. We want we should talk about that more. I'm sure we'll have plenty of chances to talk about Phil. Yeah, and if he keeps playing the way he's playing, like he'll be behind a lot of trees oh, for the God next yeah. number of months. Um, so. it, it was Sevi esque, and some of the recoveries he made this week were amazing. Actually, some of the recoveries we saw this week in Mexico were fantastic with the ability to play through the trees but under the branches. Thought the course setup was fantastic, and watching recovery shots like that. That we we have to play on a very very regular basis in our own games. It's cool to see the pros being able to do to doing that and showing us how it's done to a very high level. And um, Tori Juan Patrick for ask us about the LPJ and our good friend Steve Bamford was asking us about Justin Thomas and the the club the incidents the club throwing and the putter stamping on the green. So um, look we'll we'll see how that breaks down. But um, the LPJ are in a week off. And the European Tour heads over to India for the Hero Indian Open in DLF Golf and Country Club in New Delhi. And it's a kind of a mixed tour event, a lot, lot of local guys and guys from around the area. And that's shown by favour for the tournament, Anurban Lahiri, who's been kind of going over to the PGA Tour a bit this year. He's 8-1. to one. Rafa Cabrera Bayo is 11-1. to one. Uh, Peter Uline, 16-1, to one, has a bit of resurgence of form this year. George Kutseya, 20 to 1. Afi Barnrat, 25s, as is Campillo. Romain Laganesque is 28 to 1. Jordan Smith, 30 to 1. Sharma is 33, along with Paul Dunn, who had his best European tour finish last week. Govania Dunner, keep going. Uh, hopefully, get a fast start to the tournament this week and they combine it with a, another uh, 63 holes or 64 holes as well. Uh, he's 33 to 1. Jason Scrivener, 33 to 1, and the rest of the field are 35 to 1 and 8 because the next name I can't even pronounce. So, um, yeah, good, good, good luck, luck on that. Good luck to all the lads. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to pull that one off. Good luck to all the lads out there, and um, we will find out what happens next week. The Valspar Championship is going to the gorgeous Copperhead Golf Course at Innisbrook Resort in Palm Harbor, Florida. Uh, this one always brings up uh, brings the ball strikers to the fore. Uh, Justin Thomas is ten to one leader uh, in the market. Henrik Stenson, who uh, couldn't handle talking to the big white telephone last week, is eleven to one. Matt Kuchar twenty five to one alongside Ryan Moore, Daniel Berger, Patrick Reed, Gary Woodland, 
Oh God, Paddy Power can't decide who's uh, the third favourite. Bill Haas is twenty-eight to one. Charles Schwartzel is thirty-three to one. Charles Howell is forty to one, alongside Luke Donald, Wesley Bryan, Bubba Watson, and Graham Delette. Russell Knox, James's boy, is forty-five to one. Billy Horschel is forty-five to one, and uh, we've a few at fifty to one, including Patrick Rogers, Byung Hun An, Jason Duffner, Kevin Na, Jim Furyk. And our own Graham McDowell and the rest of the field are sixty to one and out. Uh, yeah, pretty solid lineup here. I, I think that's the course brings these guys in. Plus, probably the small matter of Augusta in a few weeks' time. Yeah, well, it's all going to ramp up now over the next few weeks, and you're going to see a lot of the the big names coming back to the tournaments, and uh, it's great for for watching. So I suppose, look, that just leaves me to, to wrap up uh, week 128 of a Good Talk uh, Spoiled Golf podcast. Just to say thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to Barry for all your input uh, and all the research. And uh, if you want to get in contact with us, the Twitter handle is a Good Talk Golf, and our email is a Good Talk Spoiled at gmail.com. And uh, if you're playing at the weekend, have a great one. If you're watching it, enjoy it. And we will talk to you again next week. Bye-bye, huh? Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.